The text for this afternoon is from Psalm 46. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very pleasant help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Salah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He made wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, as I stated, the background of this psalm indicates that Judah and God's people are in serious trouble. They were about to be annihilated by the greatest army of that time. The Assyrians had already taken over Judah and the fortified city of Lachish, and now their troops were all around Jerusalem. Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrians, had previously defeated many other nations. There was no stopping him. He appeared invincible. Can you imagine how the people would have felt like at that time? It looked hopeless. They were about to lose everything, their city, the temple, their homes, their children, their very lives. Can you imagine? It's a terrifying situation. We also live in tumultuous times. Oh, sure, nothing compared to what the Jerusalemites were going through at that time. There, were, there are no hostile armies standing at our borders. Our lives are not directly being threatened. But there is a lot of unrest against God and his authority and the authority he has established here on this earth. And furthermore, we are not safe either from the various kinds of disaster that regularly occur over the world, all over the world right now as well. Truth be told, that's the way it's been 
throughout the ages. There is political upheaval and uncertainty. And right now, we are in the midst of a viral pandemic. And frequently, we hear about floods caused by tropical storms or hurricanes, tsunamis and earthquakes. Sometimes thousands upon thousands of people are killed in one fell swoop. Times like that, there's a lot of suffering and death and anxiety. And people react to such disasters in different ways. But how should we react? But the question is, how does the Lord teach us to react? And that's what God teaches us in Psalm 46, and that's what I want to preach to you about this afternoon. And this psalm is divided into three sections as indicated by the three salahs, after verse 3, verse 7, and verse 11. Scholars are not entirely sure what that little word salah means, but it is generally believed that salah is a musical rest in which the singers stop and during which time only the instruments would be heard. It likely indicates a musical crescendo followed by a silent reflection. When you have a salah, then you have a pause, an interlude, a moment for meditation. And we will follow this threefold outline as we listen to the word of God as found in Psalm 46. The theme is as follows. God is our refuge at all times. We will see in the first place that he is our protector. Secondly, that he is our Emmanuel. And finally, that he is our exalted God. God is our refuge or fortress at all times. I chose that as a theme because that refrain runs throughout this whole psalm. It is repeated in verse 6, in verse 7, and in verse 11. And this psalm was sung in the temple in Jerusalem. It is likely that the refrain, God is our refuge or fortress, was sung by women. For in the heading of this psalm, it says that the psalm is according to Alamoth. Alamoth refers to women. When they sang that refrain, attention was drawn to those words, and in this way, that central thought of God being our refuge is woven throughout all the other statements. This psalm is ultimately about the safety that people experience within the city of God, which is, of course, Jerusalem. Indeed, Jerusalem was a fairly safe city, for it was difficult to conquer. It was built on a hill, and you could see the enemy coming. It also had strong walls to protect it. But unlike other cities in the ancient Near East, such as Babylon, which was built on the river Euphrates, and the cities in Egypt, which were mostly built along the Nile, and Rome, which had the Tiber, and Edmonton, which has the North Saskatchewan River, Jerusalem only had a well for the people to draw its water from. And that well was outside the city. It is true that, as we read 
In Chronicles, Hezekiah built a water tunnel through the rocks to supply the city, but that was the only source of water. I don't have to tell you, water is important. You cannot live long without it. That is why they give water to survivors of earthquakes and other disasters as soon as they emerge from the ruins. When the water supply is cut off, then you're in trouble. And so even though Jerusalem is a safe city, you are still vulnerable there. The water supply is easily cut off. Disaster can easily overtake you. Indeed, there is no city in the world that can consider itself safe from any harm. When an earthquake comes, the walls of the buildings come tumbling down upon you, and when tornadoes or tsunamis come, then you and your property can be destroyed in seconds. As we saw last week in some of the major cities of the USA, your property can also be looted and destroyed, and your life can be put at risk. Ultimately, there is no safety in any city or man-made structure. You never know when God is going to take everything away from you, including your life. Think about it. Our earthly lives are hanging by a thread. What does that mean? That we are not safe at all? No, it doesn't. The author of this psalm understood this. Listen to what he says. He says that God is his refuge and strength. He doesn't depend on the walls of Jerusalem. He doesn't depend on the fortification. He doesn't depend on the water supply either. No, he says that God is his refuge. The word translated as refuge in verse 1 means a shelter which people seek to protect them from severe weather or from dangers as they are traveling through the high hills. And the word in verses 7 and 11 means a stronghold, a high tower, a fortress. Both words refer to the same thing, namely that God is a refuge on whom you can depend. Even when everything around you is falling apart. Brothers and sisters, that's what you and I must do as well. No doubt there are many fears in your life. My life too. Sometimes we wonder whether some disaster can also happen to us. Or whether we will perish in some accident or in some other way. What's going to happen to this country? Will we be safe? We may fear many other things about our lives, about our health, about the lives of our children, or the health of an unborn child. We wonder whether or not we are able to go on and whether or not we are able to do all the things that are expected from us. And we worry and we fret. Well, that's human. 
But at times like that, you can do what the psalmist tells us to do. Namely, to go to the Lord for shelter. For this psalm tells you that he is a very present help in trouble. God is not sleeping. He's alive right now. He never sleeps or slumbers. And he watches over us like a mother watches over her child. Brothers and sisters, God is always in control. He is always on his throne with his son beside him. He is the almighty God who has a plan for his creation. And everything is worked out in that plan. And each and every one of us is part of God's plan. Your life, my life, is in God's loving hands. So the psalmist says that he will not fear. Even though the earth give way and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. And the author is imagining the worst calamity that could possibly hit his people as he describes earthquakes and volcanoes erupting and mountains crashing into the sea. He paints a picture here of chaos and tumult and terrifying noises, which is what you will witness every time there is a strong earthquake or tornado or flood or tsunami. When you're in the midst of such a calamity, and then you think it's the end of the world. But it isn't. The world keeps on turning. But I'll tell you what it is. It is God's way of telling them that they must turn to him. And that is what a calamity or pandemic calls for. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 2 and following, about some Galileans who were killed by the Romans. He said, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And then he goes to speak on about 18 Jews on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. He said, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And so why do these things happen? They happen to warn us, to bring us to repentance, to bring us on our knees before God. He wants us to bear fruit, especially the fruit of repentance, for the final destruction of this world is going to come. The whole world is going to be burned up and destroyed. That will happen on the last day. But until that day comes, the Lord keeps on beckoning us to call upon him and to seek shelter with him. He tells us that it is important for us to turn to him and to place our trust in him rather than the present circumstances of the world. 
read in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Do you believe what it says there? You and I just sang this a few moments ago. Did you mean it? Does it show? And brothers and sisters, our security is not in the safety that we presently have, our earthly safety. We may think that earthquakes will not happen to us or any other calamity, for these are rarities. And we are fairly safe because we live in well-built houses and we have the protection of police forces and the army and navy. Well, think again, anything can happen. Our security is not in our physical safety, but our security is in our faith, our faith in God. For you see, security is never about safety here on earth. There are many people who live in very safe surroundings, in gated communities with guards and security cameras all over. They have great wealth and can afford protection from all kinds of dangers, and yet their lives are full of worry and fear. Thoughts of safety consume them. They're deathly afraid of losing their abundant possessions, and they live lives full of anxiety. But we are told in Psalm 125, verse 1, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which can never be shaken but endures forever. Mount Zion refers to Jerusalem. It is the city of God where there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. It says God is within her. In the Hebrew language it says Emmanuel. God is our Emmanuel. He is our God with us. Think about that, brothers and sisters. We come here to our first salah. And therefore to our second point. Pause. Let that sink in. God is always with us. Isn't it strange that it speaks here about a river whose streams make glad the city of God? As we saw earlier, there is no river that runs through Jerusalem. There are no streams of water in Jerusalem. And so what is the author talking about then? Well, the author means this symbolically. With water you sustain life. With water you can grow food, you can drink it, you can bathe in it, you can refresh yourself within it. And you can even swim in it. Water is the source of life. Even our bodies are composed mostly of water. Well, that is what God is to his people. God is like a river running through Jerusalem. And that is why he speaks about a river whose streams make glad the city of God. 
And by speaking here about a river that flies, that flows right through Jerusalem, the Lord gives his people assurance that he is the one who gives life to his people. He is the source of life. And he protects their lives no matter what dire circumstances they may find themselves in, no matter what may happen to them, no matter what dangers surround them, no matter how many enemies they face, no matter how precarious their health may be, no matter even when they think they're about to die. With God, they're given life, eternal life. He is the God of the living. If you find refuge with him, then everything is well with you and your children. As Sennacherib and his huge army surround Jerusalem, the people are assured that God will protect them. They must trust him. The people need to turn to the Lord God in confession and faith. God will hear them and save them, which is exactly what God did. That's what we read about in verse 5 of this psalm. It says there that God will help her when morning dawns. That's exactly what happened. God came to help in a miraculous way. For the angel of the Lord in the night went through the camp of the Assyrian soldiers and killed, as we know from 2 Kings 19 verse 36, 185,000 men. God, by his avenging angels, destroyed the army of Sennacherib. This mighty Assyrian king had to return to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, with his tail behind his legs, between his legs. And not long after this, his two sons cut him down with a sword as he was worshiping in the temple of his god, Nisroch. The Lord rescued his people. God was their river and provided them with the water of life. Brothers and sisters, water can either save you or it can destroy you. It's God's doing. Think about the water of the Red Sea. It caused the death of many Egyptians, but it gave life to the people of Israel. Water can bring safety or it can bring destruction. Isaiah also conjures up the image of a river. He says in Isaiah 33, verse 20 and 21, Behold, Zion, the city of our appointed feasts. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, an untroubled habitation, an immovable tent whose stakes will never be plucked up, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the Lord in majesty will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams where no galley with oars can go, nor majestic ship can pass. And so here again, the Lord God is pictured as a river. And that river will supply the people with everything they need. And Isaiah also speaks about ships on that river. The kind of ships that Isaiah was talking about here are warships, not pleasure craft. 
He assures the people that they will not be able to enter the city of God. In other words, God will protect his people. He will protect them from disaster. Even the warships will not be able to enter. What a great comfort. How God's people in Jerusalem will have rejoiced when they saw in the morning how they were saved from disaster. But you may say, we don't see these kinds of miraculous interventions in this day and age, do we? Where, for example, was God during the horrors of World War I and World War II? Where was he when millions of Jews were being incinerated in the gas chambers? Where was he in all the disasters and cruelties throughout the ages? Well, beloved, a greater miracle than the defeat of the Syrian army happened just outside of Jerusalem some 700 years later when Jesus Christ won the victory over death and Satan on Golgotha. No greater miracle has ever happened. And that is the great comfort for you and for me. In the midst of trouble, you can always turn to him. He will save you. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says in John 7, verse 37 and following. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Only because of his shed blood is there any hope for this world. For after his death, he rose from the grave. What a miracle. And now anyone who believes in him also has the victory over death. There's more to this life here on earth. There's life with God, which is everything. It says in verse 7 of this psalm that the Lord of hosts is with us. In Hebrew it says, Yahweh Sabaoth Emanu. Did you hear that word, Sabaoth? Does that sound familiar? Well, that phrase is also found in the hymn of Luther, A mighty fortress is our God. We will sing that in a moment. Luther used this psalm as a template for his hymn. He wrote, Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name. From age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Luther found himself frequently in precarious circumstances. But he sought his refuge with God. With the Lord Sabaoth. Which means the Lord of hosts. On the basis of this psalm. In all of God's word, he realized that God is with us even though nations are in uproar, even though kingdoms may fall. The verb rage in verse 6 is the same word used in verse 3 to describe the roar of the waters. 
we have seen how destructive waters can be. We saw that in the tsunami in Japan some years ago. And we saw that a few years earlier with the effects of the tsunami in the Indian Ocean and how it devastated many cities and towns and how it killed thousands upon thousands of peoples. That was also caused by an earthquake under the ocean floor. What mayhem. What destruction. Now think about all the other calamities that continue to happen all over the world. It says in this psalm that when the Lord God utters his voice, the earth melts. In such disasters and calamities and viral pandemics, we must hear the voice of God. Are you listening? We must hear his call to repentance. We must hear the call to depend on him and to flee to him for deliverance, for security, for safety, for peace. For there's only one way that you can be safe here on this earth, and that is if you find your refuge with the Lord your God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And once again, we read in verse 7 that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then we have a pause. Salah. It's time to thank God for his presence. To thank him that he is our Emmanuel. Think about that. Our Emmanuel. Always with you. At me. No matter what. Wonderful. And then finally the psalmist also says that the Lord our God is our exalted God. Third point. In verse 8 we are summoned to see the works of the Lord and the desolations that he has brought on the earth. In the streets of the American cities we sometimes saw impromptu prayers with protesters and police together where they called upon God. It was a time for reflection, for understanding and connection with each other, but also for repentance. Hopefully those protesters realized that as well. Change can come only through God. And that's the kind of response that God expects from you and me. He tells us to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves and to worship God and to repent. But he also told us that peoples will come in uproar and that they will be full of rage. Lord Jesus foretold that in Luke 21 Verse 10 and 11, he said, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. And so don't be surprised at any of this. God has warned us for look at what he has done and continues to do. In all these things we have to recognize the hand of of God. He wants to turn whatever calamity comes upon us to our good. 
And that's what he promises he will do. And please don't think that God wants this misery and pain and sorrow to happen, that he delights in the suffering of man. No, he is not the author of sin or the effects of sin. Man, because of his own willful disobedience, has brought these things upon himself. And that is why he must humble himself before God and his fellow man. He must point to himself, first of all, for the cause of sin and misery. The Lord God wants us to worship him and to seek our salvation and well-being from his hands alone. For only he can bring about restoration. Only he can bring about a change of heart in men. Only he can bring true, true peace here on earth. He brought peace on earth through his son, Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ dealt with sin. He died for the sin of this world so that this world could be restored. Brothers and sisters, come to God and see what he can do. For when the Lord Jesus rode into heaven, he did not leave us alone. He gave us his Holy Spirit and he gave us the assurance of renewal. Listen to what it says in verse 9 of this psalm and what purpose has with this all. He tells us that he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth and that he breaks the bow and shatters the spear and that he burns chariots with fire. In other words, he brings peace on earth by destroying the weapons of war. He is on his throne. He is the God of justice. He is the God of peace. And he is that today as well. He brings peace especially through the proclamation of the gospel. The good news of salvation. That is what this world has to hear. Whenever there are calamities all over the world, we as Christians have the opportunity to come with the gospel. It's an opportunity to teach those affected by these painful happenings that God is warning them and all of us to lead lives of repentance and that he is the only one who can rescue this world from sin and misery. But this prophecy of this psalm also looks forward to the peace that will be established here on this earth in the life hereafter. The time will come when there will be no more earthquakes, when there will be no more wars, when there will be no more volcanic eruptions. And that's why you and I, we're looking forward to the new earth. We're looking forward also to the time when our bodies will be totally renewed and made indestructible. We're looking forward to the time, as it says in Revelation 22, when Christ is the source of life to the fullest. For in Revelation 22, we read about the angel who showed John, and I quote, the river of the water of, law, of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. 
The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, is the inexhaustible well from which we can drink forever and ever. We will never go hungry. We will never go thirsty. And verse 10 calls us to bow before God who is exalted among the nations and in all the earth. The fact that he is exalted means that even though he is very much involved in this creation, he is nevertheless beyond it. It means that he alone is worthy of adoration. And therefore he tells us to be still and know that he is God. He wants us to cease for a moment and let our hands hang by our sides as we leave things in God's hands. We must know God and the power of his word and spirit. We must trust that he is in control of all things and we must be still. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing anything. Of course not. But it does mean that we should let our hands hang by our sides as a symbol that we do not take up the weapons of war that the world uses. We don't point fingers. We don't yell. We don't rebel and throw rocks. Instead, we put on the full armor of God and stand firm. The belt of truth buckled around our waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace and we take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil. And we can put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we pray for God to rescue us. He will hear you. We may hear people blaspheme his name now and trample on his covenant promises and demands. But this psalm teaches us that God will be exalted on the earth no matter what. In the end, all men will bow before him, also the unbelievers. For on the day of judgment, they will see him for who he truly is, and they will stand in terrifying awe before him as he assigns them a place in hell. But for those who believe in him, for you and for me, it will be a tremendous day of triumph. For those who have trusted in him during this life, it will be a great day of joy. Brothers and sisters, God will be exalted on the earth. He is our strength. He is our refuge. And we can safely flee to him. Always. Amen.